Welcome to Village Bible Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Phil Chapman. Uh, I'm from the Indian Creek campus. And uh, Pastor Tim Bedall, he is over at my campus today, and I'm at his campus. So we did a little switcheroo. And, and, and what a pleasure it is for me uh, to conclude this, this series on relationships. Uh, we've talked about our relationship with God. We talked about the relationship of community, our relationship in singleness and uh, within the Trinity. I had the privilege of, of teaching on the relationship of marriage. And today, uh, we're going we're gonna to dig into God's Word and talk about that crucial, that crucial relationship of family. Our definition of family, it varies uh, amongst all of us. Each individual person ha- has a different definition. And, and, and frankly, the word family is emotionally neutral. Because when I say the word family, for some of you... A lot of fun memories bubble to the surface. You you think about a lot of great times. But for some of you, when I say family, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of bad memories. A lot of things come up. The great thing about family, though, is that we get to be ourselves. Uh, We get to act silly and and sing if we like to sing or dance and and not feel embarrassed. We we get to run around and and, uh, play fun games. We get to have a good time. You see, the issue, though, is that we have a, a picture in this society of what a family should look like. Uh, we, we've looked at shows like uh, Leave it to Beaver or, or The Brady Bunch uh, or The Waltons. And we're like, wow, that, that's, what a family, that's what a family looks like. When in reality, our families look like everybody loves Raymond uh, or, or Roseanne or even the bunkers of all in the family. We wrestle with this vision of, of what the ideal family looks like. And the problem is, is that we, we look at other people and their family and we just look at their highlight reel. And, and we see the things that they've done. You know, Sherry and I, that's my wife, we, we found it fascinating of, of how many times we have received unasked for advice on how to raise our children. We've received advice from people that have never had children before. And yet, they've got all the wisdom. I know this one family that gave us advice on how to handle a teenage situation, unasked for, and they had a three-year-old child who was absolutely perfect. That family doesn't realize when second child comes, everything changes. You see, we don't have a manual We don't have a manual uh, to figure out how to handle all the situations. I'm 41 years old. I have five children. All the children are different. All the actions are different. Every instance is different. I don't know how to handle these kids. I, I don't know what to do. And there's no manual that tells me how to deal with each of the individual issues. I, I, I try to read books and I try to figure things out. But how do you just figure out each thing? Well, that brings us to our scripture. That brings us to our scripture that we're going we're gonna to dig in today. It, it's short and sweet. Even though there's, there's about 273 lines there for you to fill in, 
We'll be able to get through this in another two or three hours. The scripture that we're going to is found in the book of Colossians. It's another, another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. It seems like we keep digging into his letters. And he was writing to, uh, to a church, to a group of people, just like, just like you and just like me. And Paul's speaking to believers. He, he's talking to people that have already committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And he wants the people to understand uh, that they need to live differently than what their culture has set out. They need to have, have different lives. He, he's, he's trying to help them to understand that everything, everything in their lives needs to be about King Jesus. Sometimes we forget about that, don't we? This is a freebie. This is in, in my notes. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is the King. And we forget that we, our responsibility, our privilege is that we could bow down and get on our knees and bow to the king and say, you're everything. We, we forget that sometimes. But that's what Paul's trying to get us to do. He just got done uh, telling the church of Colossae, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And now he moves the conversation. He shifts the conversation just slightly to the marriage relationship. And then to children. And then to parenting. So if you would and if you're willing and capable, would you stand with me as I read just these two short pieces of scripture. Found in Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Heavenly Father, you are the king. You are everything to us, and I just pray that you reign. That you reign in our lives, that you reign in our marriages, that you reign in our families. Bless this time. May you speak to us boldly. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture teaches over and over and over about families. From Ephesians to 2 Timothy to Matthew, Lamentations, Philippians, Proverbs, Deuteronomy. These are just a few of the books that directly address families. As a Christian husband in a Christian marriage, I'm sure that you join me in, in wanting to have a blessed family. Wanting to have a family that's, that's absolutely blessed by God. Well, the first thing, uh, that if a family wants to be blessed by God, they must understand that there are real issues. There are real issues facing the families. And, and it's facing all families, not, not just your family. Not just my family, but all families. The first one is the uncertainty of parental authority. As an educator, I've seen how parents, they no longer believe the teacher. I've seen where kids, I was an educator for 15 years, and I've seen how, how kids will question their teacher, and the parents will come in, mom, dad, 
And they'll sit with the child and they'll question that second grade teacher on, on what's happening, on why the teacher's messing up, on why they're not taking care of their superstar, little Johnny. I had a mom come into me. I was principal at an unnamed school. And she was arguing. I wasn't arguing. I was listening. That probably annoyed her. She was arguing that her little, her little son, Timmy, that there is no way that he put that little girl's shoe in the mud puddle. He would never do that. And so I sat there listening to the mom argue this. I waited. And then I looked at little Timmy and I said, Timmy, is there anything you want to tell your mom? He looks at mom and, nope. So I calmly moved my monitor screen and pulled up the footage of the playground. And we watched Timmy steal the shoe from the girl and put it in that fresh mud pile, mud puddle, and laugh about it. Mom stood up, shook my hand, apologized, and grabbed Timmy by the ear. <laughs> my job was done. But you see, we, we have it wrong. We, we've reversed the authority. It, it, it used to be, we used to believe the teacher and punish the kids. But now we believe the kids and do everything we can to punish the teacher. And that's happened in the family too. We've reversed the roles and, and we just want our kids to be happy. We, we want to make sure that somehow if, if, if Billy down the street got, got a new toy, oh, we'll, we'll get that toy too. It, it, it's okay. It, it's the buying the trophy for every kid just because they participated. I, I knew a parent, a young man, he got beautiful soccer cleats, $125. And he got mad after a game, and he ripped those shoes apart. And she went out and bought him another pair of exact same ones. You know what? He did it again. And guess what mom did? She bought him again. Three times he had those shoes. Mark 13, 12 says, And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Man, we have a real issue. We have a real issue in this society, and we as a family, we don't realize that as parents, we're the ones who have been given the responsibility and the authority. Additionally, we have an issue with the unity of family alliances. The unity of family alliances. And that's a mouthful. Uh, just to say that we've lost our focus. We, we aren't sitting around the kitchen table like we once were eating supper every single night. We're all busy. Everybody has something to do. I've been, I've been getting some work done at the chiropractor. And, and as, I'm, as I'm there, I, I see all these younger people coming in by the droves. And, and so I asked Doc... She can't tell me the details, SIPA, or whatever, whatever that rule is, uh, HIPAA, HIPAA, <laughs> or SIPA. Hey, SIPA something, Children Information Protection Act. Okay, we'll go with SIPA. Uh, 
And she, so, so I asked, why are all these people keep coming in? And she said, it's because of screens. Because everyone's on their screen, and instead of looking forward and having conversations and, and acting this way, they're looking down, which is straightening the neck spine. And if you know anything about spines, it's supposed to be curved. And so normally when you're, when you're standing up here, you've got a nice curved spine in your neck. Well, everyone's looking at screens. And it's because we've lost our focus because we're trying to communicate with our devices as opposed to communicate with the person in front of us. And we're doing it as adults as well. And that's how we're losing the unity within our family. So Paul, he, he's, what he's doing is he's trying to help us. You see, he's not just helping the people in 50 A.D., his information is, is valid and applicable in 2016. It was applicable to my grandparents. It was applicable to my parents and to me and to my children and, and to my future grandchildren and great-grandchildren. That's the beauty of Scripture, that, that, it's, that it's living and that it could teach me. Paul, in our passage today, he starts off with children. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It's important for all us to realize that that Scripture, Scripture teaches directly to children. It it, it teaches directly, Paul's speaking directly to children. He uses the word technon when when he says the word children. The word means anyone living in full dependence. Technon. It's found throughout scripture, uh, the same word, technon, used over and over, and it's always used in this form. It, there's no particular age associated with it, so really, uh, it could say, uh, Pastor Phil, you are a child of your mom, obey her, for it pleases the Lord. Now, we have a different dynamic, I'm married, so I've left my mother and father and cleaved to my wife, but, but the point is, is, is that there is no age tied to this. So what does the Bible say about children? There's going to be four quick things. Children can understand God's word. Children can understand God's word. And for some reason, we forget this. We forget that they can understand God's word plainly and simply. That they can hide it in their heart and that they can act upon it. Earlier, Kevin O'Brien spoke about this uh, during communion. He said, if your child can articulate the gospel and, and understand uh, how the Lord has saved him or her and they've given their life and, and rested their life in Jesus Christ, they can take communion. Children can under, understand the word. Paul says, children obey your parents. He doesn't say, parents, make sure you tell your kids to obey you. No, he's, he's addressing the children directly. Because he understands that children are active members of the church. That our children are actually active members and they need to be. You know, we have children's church. We, we, we have, a, they, they all went out, a lot of the younger ones. Uh, but we are, as a church, we encourage our kids to learn God's word through Awana, uh, through VBS, uh, through just home studies that mom and dad are doing, and through Sunday school and and. and and just being here in the service. We believe that they can know the truth of God. The Bible also says that children are under the curse. 
This, this is something that we don't like to talk about. I, I don't think we tell, tell our kids uh, enough about this and we don't teach them about this that they are under the curse. But I think it's, it's crucial. I think it's crucial for you as a mom or a dad or a grandparent to make sure your child or grandchild or nephew or niece that they understand that they're part of the curse. Psalm 51.5, Psalm 58.3, Romans 5.12. How about Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's, here's my youngest son. That's Reggie. I love Reggie like crazy. Man, I, I just absolutely love him. I call him my little man. We play frisbee together. We're up to 44 back and forth uh, catches. Every single morning, I, I give that guy a big old hug and tell him how much I love him. But you know what? I want Reggie to know that he's a sinner. I want him to know that, that his heart wants evil things. His heart is, is trying to... Um, do wrong against the king because I want him to understand his position. I want him to understand that he absolutely needs grace. Just like you. Just like me. That little Reggie needs the grace of God to come upon him. Reggie's given his life to Jesus Christ. He did it on a boat by Mexico. And what a glorious day that was. Make sure your kids understand that they need the king as much as you and I. Thirdly, the Bible says that children make unwise decisions. And this goes hand in hand with the previous one, but, but maybe this is more for parents. Uh, maybe, maybe we forget this, that children just make unwise decisions. They, 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 they're supposed to. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You know, I, I could stand up here as, as the pastor and, and teach you all about the foolish decisions that Phil Chapman made through the years. I'm not going to for two reasons. Number one, we'd be here way too long. And number two, I would give too much, uh, too many creative ideas to the children You know, from shooting bottle rockets at, at my brother uh, to driving way too fast in a friend's car, God spared me from a lot of unwise decisions. You know, in fact, I thought I was, I was the most foolish kid, that I made the most foolish, uh, I had the most foolish antics as a kid, and, and, and then I met Pastor Tim Badal. <laughs> I'll let him tell you those stories. Bottom line, kids are prone to be unwise. Kids are prone to be unwise. And understand that they're going to make mistakes. And let them make those mistakes. I, I just rewired uh, my kitchen. Like electricity. Which is scary because I'm not an electrician. But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. No, I watched a lot of YouTubes. 
I called my friend John, uh, texted him pictures occasionally, and, 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 and you know, I made a couple mistakes. Now that I'm actually putting the outlets in, and I realize, oh, I should have put the switch there, or, or I should have done that, and I was putting this four-way switch, and I'm like, it won't work, I've got to do a three-way switch, and, and, and you know, I made those mistakes. This was my first room doing that. But now when I go to my next room, I've learned from those mistakes. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I made the mistakes and, and it didn't cost big stuff. Because now I could, I could fix those mistakes for my next room. And, and that's your kids. It's okay if they make a mistake. It's okay if they mess up. Because right now they're in a safe place. I was telling my daughter Allison... She's almost 17, she has a car, and I said, all this time, mistakes are kind of okay, and, and we're, we could fix them, and now you're driving a vehicle, and those mistakes start becoming bigger, and then you become an adult, a parent, and all of a sudden, your mistakes are now huge. So we could accept that our kids are unwise, and teach them through those, through those times. Finally, the Bible says the children are a unique gift from God. One of the most famous verses in Psalms is Psalm 127.3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. My mom tells a story. I must have been five or six years old, and we were in McDonald's. And I, I, I'm sure I was just complaining about all kinds of stuff or, or I wanted something different. And my mom, she had four boys. I was number three. And I'm sure she was by herself and she was fed up. So right there in line of, uh, of the golden arches, my mom reared back and swatted me a good one. I turned and I looked at my mom the story goes. And I said, that didn't hurt. I'm not sure at that moment my mom thought I was a unique gift from God. But you know, I was. And I am. All children are. Children are, are, are a precious gift from the Lord. You know what, though? Some of you have a 35-year-old son or daughter. And they're still looking at you and saying, that didn't hurt. And they're laying it into you and, and you're just, you're on your knees. Why, God, why? I want to remind you that they still are a unique gift from God. Don't forget about them. The Lord hasn't forgot about them. Keep getting to your knees and keep lifting them up. Keep loving them. Keep finding ways to connect with them. We've got to get moving on. We also must understand that children must obey their parents. You know, Paul, he's not trying to throw out tricky words here. He, he's not trying to throw a curveball and, and, and have you guess. 
He says it plain and simply, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The word obey comes from a Greek word called hupakoia. Here's the definition. One who hears and complies with the commands of one who has authority and responsibility for you. One who hears and complies with the commands of one who has authority. So the first thing that we see in this definition and and what Paul was trying to say is that children need to remember to hear the words spoken by mom and dad. Hear the words. Children, are you listening? Are you pulling the headphones out? In order to obey, in order to obey, a person actually has to hear what was told to them. I talked about the epidemic earlier about screens, and that, that goes to this as well. Whether it's communicating with somebody else and you're not hearing what's happening, watching TV and, and being a zombie, playing a video game, all of those things can, can restrict a person from actively hearing what's being said. You know, and the fact is that kids, they really think that they know more than mom and dad. We all know that. Because we knew more than our mom and dad. And if, if we're trying to give them advice, they, they can't understand it. They don't even know why we're talking. And, and in fact, here's, here's what our talk actually is like uh, to, our, to our kids. This is what it sounds like. We need to remember to communicate clearly because our kids can't understand us. And we need them to be able to hear us. And so children, you have to hear your mom and dad. And and, and children also need to remember to comply with the commands given by mom and dad. To comply. Once they hear them, they need to comply. My children know this all so well. The old saying of delayed, disobe- delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Man, it, it's been going on for all time and it, and it bewilders me. Uh, the amount of questions a child will have when they're asked to do something. The how comes, or the why, or the why can't they do it. From taking the garbage out uh, to changing their clothes, they question everything. And it's very simple what Scripture's teaching here. And that's one of my jobs is to make sure you understand what Scripture's teaching here. So, so Scripture's teaching that if your mom and dad say, take out the garbage, your response is to take out the garbage. If, you're, if your mom says to change your clothes, you're not wearing that out, your response is to change the clothes because you're not wearing that out. It's pretty simplistic of what Paul is teaching here. But it's hard because we know our children are unwise. Children also need, children forget that mom and dad have authority and responsibility. Those are two huge things. Authority and responsibility. 
Here's one of my favorite lines from Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And you know, Scripture has given great power to mom and dad, given them tremendous authority, but at the same time that gives them responsibility, major responsibility, responsibility to raise them uh, in a way that is honoring to the Lord, to teach them all about Jesus Christ. What a huge responsibility. You know, and if the children remember this, if they remember this, it shows obedience to their parents, it will please the Lord. And that's what's so amazing about this, is that actually the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, actually has an emotional response when children obey their parents, that it actually pleases the Lord. That's pretty awesome. Our obedience to our parents, it shouldn't be out of obligation. Though it is an obligation, it should be out of pure joy. It should be out of joy, just as us serving God. We are children of God's. And yeah, we have an obligation to serve the king. But what a joy it is. What a joy it is. Let's keep moving on. If we want our family to be blessed by God, we must understand that parents have a significant role. Colossians 3.23, we'll reread that. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So let me, let me set the table for you of what, what's happening in this time of Paul. Uh, Paul's uh, speaking to a Roman culture that, that there's Roman laws put in place and, and allowed the father to discipline the children any way he wanted. He could make his children go out in the fields and work for five days straight with no food if he wanted. In fact, the father... The father actually, he could say, my son, he is going to be disciplined through death. The father had the ultimate authority in this culture. And so Paul's teaching the children, and he says, children, obey your parents. And they're like, duh. If I don't, it's not going to be good for me. But then he switches and he says, but fathers, which is implied parents as well, do not provoke your children. What? I, I've got ultimate authority. I can do whatever I want. But no, he knew that he wanted to gain the children's trust through this process as well. Three things for the parents. Parents need to daily provide for the needs of their children. Shouldn't this go without saying? But it's true. We need to provide for their, their, their clothing, their shelter, their food. We need to care for them when they get injured. Here's a picture of a lady. This is in Ethiopia. This is a, a Mount Entoto. And, and this, this lady, these are uh, uh, eucalyptus tree branches that the government's planted all, all along this mountain. This lady gets up in the morning, only women, by the way, do this. 
this lady, and most likely mom or grandma, she climbs up this mountain, takes her several hours to get up this mountain. When we go up it uh, in our van, it, it's barely moving because, because of the steepness. And then she, then she starts, she gathers all of her sticks. This, the sticks weigh 60 to 80 pounds. When we've lifted those sticks, it takes us two to three men to lift them. She's got it perfectly balanced on her body with strings around her shoulders. And then she carries those all the way down. And it takes her, obviously, a long time to get down. Usually, no shoes. I can't tell if she's wearing shoes. If they are, they're almost nothing. Why is this lady doing this? She does it every day. She does it for about two U.S. dollars. They'll use it for, for firewood to, to burn and they'll sell it uh, so other people can, can use it for fire. She uses it literally for food for that day. Food for that day. She's providing for her children for that day with that trip. So when we go there, sometimes we'll... we'll Last time I went, we rented a, a truck and we, we would put all their sticks in the back of the truck and we'd bring the ladies down, sharing the gospel with them, giving them food and, and then usually giving them a little bit of money so maybe they could take a day or two off. We've got to provide for our children daily. Second, parents need to discipline their children for wrongdoing. We're in a time when discipline is not popular. We don't want to discipline our children. Uh, we go, our, our discipline is usually just a timeout chair. And, and we need to get uh, to understanding what Scripture is teaching. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 23 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Sherry and I are so thankful for a family friend uh, that her mom taught us. As young parents, Allie, Allie was probably 12 months old, maybe younger about discipline and about appropriate discipline and, and, and how, to, how to love your kid through that process, but how to not spare the rod and how to care for them a, as you discipline them. As our children have grown up, our discipline's modified from, uh, from not being able to do certain things to having a device taken away to maybe in the future having a car taken away. Discipline changes, but we can't. We can't not do it. We have to discipline our children. Finally, parents need to develop their children spiritually. And this is the most important thing that a parent has. This is the most important responsibility that a parent has, is that they need to develop them spiritually. That they need to teach them who Jesus is. And, and they want to teach a child spiritually, you have to be able to provide for their daily needs and you have to discipline them. 
If you don't do those, you won't have the opportunity to teach them spiritually. 2 Timothy, 13, or 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Look for opportunities to teach your children. Look for them. They're everywhere. Grandparents, look for opportunities to teach your kids, your grandkids. Look for opportunities. Whether, whether it's challenging your kids to, to learn scripture or watching Bible movies with them, giving them opportunities at youth group. We have great youth groups at, at our campuses. Give them the opportunities. Provide your sons and daughters and help them to learn to be a cheerful giver. Kids from my campus, we just went last Wednesday or this past Wednesday, so a few days ago. We went up to Chicago and, and we served homeless people uh, in Chicago. Took bags of, uh, of lunches. Our only rule was that they couldn't take any pictures. They couldn't post it on social media. It wasn't about getting the glory. It was about serving them. It was about giving to them. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I've always enjoyed watching TV with my kids, watching movies. Some of you probably don't like Hollywood, but I find that it gives me opportunities to, to teach them and to train them because we got that beautiful pause button. And we look at those movies and, and I want to teach them to have a strong biblical worldview. So, so when the wind blows, they won't blow with it, that they'll be strong. They'll have a strong foundation. We need to find ways to build that foundation. Some simple ways for you, mom and dad, to do this, and these aren't up on the screen. First of all, see each of your children individually. See them as individual children that, that are unique and that are tremendous. Be active with your kids. Do stuff with them. Figure it out. Figure out ways to connect with your kids individually. Find awesome ways that... that that connect with them. If it's, if it's they love to listen to music or they like a certain artist, go to one of those concerts or, or buy the CD or download the music and kind of understand what they're listening to. If they're into volleyball, figure that out. Give them opportunities to play volleyball with them. If they like to read, go to the library with them. Take them to a bookstore. And you know what? All of these things are for adult mom and dads who have adult children too. You can still connect with them as well in, in, in unique ways. Find ways. Don't scare your children. Okay, scare them a little. <laughs> but love your children so much. Love your children so much that they always know that you have their best interest in mind. Tell your kids no. Tell them no. Take satisfaction in telling them no. It's a, it's a great thing to be able to tell them no and to be confident about your answer. Sometimes it's extremely hard for kids to hear, uh, I don't know, let's think about it, I don't know. Let your no be no and your yes be yes. Don't call your kids names. Besides those, those fun nicknames, don't belittle them. Don't put them down because that could scar them for many, many years. Finally, 
Seek forgiveness from your kids. Seek forgiveness. We, I, I, I think I speak for most of us. We make unwise decisions. We get angry or say things that we're, we don't want to say to our kids because we've had a tough day. You know what? Seek forgiveness from God and then walk to them and ask them for forgiveness. I just did it the other day. Like a fool. I don't even know what I was doing. Yelled at one of my kids about some random thing. And I got to my room and I'm like, why did I do that? I sought it to the Lord and then I went to my kid's room and, and I apologized. I am so sorry. Final thoughts. Wisdom. Wisdom comes through time. When I was here before, I quoted Mark Twain. I'm going to quote him again. Mark Twain said, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But now that I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) You know, we forget the wisdom that comes with time. Wisdom comes through reading God's word. Amen? We, we all know that. We agree with that. But there's something about time that gives wisdom because they've had experiences. They've made mistakes. There are so many times I'm trying to teach my children because I know what's about to happen because I made the same mistake. And sometimes you just got to let them make the mistake. So they can learn themselves. But how much smarter is your mom and dad now? When you're 40 years old, you realize, okay, they had more of a clue. They understood. Honor both your parents. Sometimes there's a dominant parent in, in, in the family and, and it seems like all the respect and, and honor goes to that person. That's not what scripture teaches. Honor your parents. Honor both of them. Love them both. Care about them. Show them honor. Connect with them. If you're the kid, connect with your mom and dad. And last, care for your aging parents. care for your aging parents. You know, we forget this. We sometimes think that we've done, we're, the, we're still the kids and, and we're looking at mom and dad. My mom is, is in her mid-60s. She, she's definitely not old, but she's aging. And, and she's now a widow. And so one of my jobs is to care for her and to love her and, and, and to honor her where she's at. And to make sure that she's taken care of. Don't forget that. You know, one last thing. This isn't in the notes. Some of you are believers in Jesus Christ. I would would guess a lot of you love Jesus Christ. But you know, your family may not care about Jesus. Jesus. Maybe your spouse doesn't care about Jesus. Maybe it's your, your parents don't care about Jesus. 
earlier I talked about not forgetting about your older children. This is the same with your, your family. All you could do is just pray to God for opportunities to show God's love to them. Pray for opportunities to, to give glory to the Lord. Pray for opportunities that they will bow their knee to Jesus Christ as well. Let's go to the Lord together. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to serve you and worship you and what a joy it is to to give our lives to you. I pray as we continue to gain wisdom through your word, that we'll be able to teach our children. That we'll be able to honor our parents. And that we'll be able to bow to you. Give us opportunities, God, today. During this 4th of July weekend, give us opportunities as we uh, engage with other families, as we engage with, uh, with other members of our immediate family that may not know Jesus Christ. Help us to care for them and to love them. Help us to uh, honor you through our actions and through our words. Give us opportunities, God, to praise your name. Lord, would you bless this church? I, I'm so thankful for the fact, Lord, that, that it's, this is your church And that nothing can affect your church because the church is founded on your sacrifice and your resurrection. Jesus, will you help us to understand that? We are so thankful for that sacrifice. We're so thankful for your resurrection. We're so thankful for salvation. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.